All right, Community Life Church, uh, it is a privilege of mine to introduce to you a friend of mine from the black community uh, that is actually serving and thriving and growing the Church of Jesus Christ uh, just minutes from here in Talmadge. Uh, he serves uh, there with Pastor Brendan Glass and uh, at Span Ministries. And so he's been doing an amazing work, loving people, and uh, he has truly, in just the few years that I've gotten to know this man, um, he has wrecked my world. He has opened my eyes to being a follower of Christ that I just did not realize I needed to be. And so as we, it's just a privilege for me to be able to sit under his teaching today. And so if you would please welcome my friend here and pastor, Karim Bishop. All right. Can you guys hear me? Great. Um, now, it's, it's funny to hear, uh, and Gordon asked how he should introduce me, and he said it's funny to hear that I'm from the black community, but some of those things need to be said. Um, so, so it's important, I believe it's important uh, where you come from. So not that that defines who we are, but it's part of who we are, right? So, so my brother and I, it's, it's funny, we went to Kent State, I'm originally from Cincinnati, and, and uh, they took pictures, and, and because we are light-skinned, um, they decided, for marketing purposes, they, were, they could use us for, to represent a whole bunch of different people. So we could be, we could be black, we could be Latino, we could, you know what I'm saying? So, so I think it's important to let you guys know where, where I'm from, um, so from Cincinnati, and it's been a blessing to uh, get to know Gordon over these past few years. Um, and uh, some of you have been able to see the, uh, see the, the story that was on the news. Um, and we're hoping that the relationship that we have um, kind of rubs off on, on some people. So basically, forming relationships with people that, that may be from different places, may have some different, different experiences, um, and hopefully everybody will start to do that so that we can grow and, and start to be, be some healing agents for, for our country. So... I'm glad to be here, and when Gordon, it's funny, when Gordon asked me to preach, um, he called me, and I felt like, like, well, I, I should, I, I, I'll go ahead and say yes, so like, I didn't even really have, to, I was like, oh, pencil me in, and uh, literally the next day, um, another friend of mine um, called um, from a church in my neighborhood, now, I, I, uh, I'm an elder in, at Span Ministries in Talmud, so another guy calls, and he's like, can you preach in February, and I'm like, literally the day before, Somebody just asked me the same thing, and and maybe for for other folks that's that's a small thing, but for me to preach twice in February was was pretty big because I'm the guy who makes sure my church is running. So my senior pastor, he's he's the one preaching. I'm the one behind the scenes during the week and on Sundays making sure everything's running. Um, so the chief operations officer. So it was a blessing for me to be able to just sit here and worship um, before I got up to preach because. I'm, I'm not a preacher. Now, it's, it, that reminds me of a, uh, there was a, a viral video a few years back, you probably haven't seen it, but, but there was a viral video and it was, it was a rap battle parody. Now, anybody know what a rap battle is? Seen a rap battle before? Okay. Now, this parody was hilarious because there was a guy, there was a rapper in it, crowd around him, and he would say some basic stuff. He would be like, I never go swimming without my floaty, and everybody would just go, just go crazy, oh, and, and I was like, and he, but he, was, he would say, but I'm not a rapper, so, so the same way, I'm not a, I'm not a preacher, but 
if you want to have a response similar to, similar to the rap battle parody, that's fine. That's one of the differences in the black and white church sometimes is, is there may be a little, a little more response. Um, but don't feel like you have to. But I, I believe all of us are called to be preachers, right? I may not be a preacher by title. I may not, my, my, my title may not be pastor. You're, you may not have a title, but God has called us all to share the gospel. So we technically are all preachers of God's word. So I was blessed to be able to hear the message uh, last week that, that Gordon has, has preached. And in this pandemic, that's one of the great things is kind of has caused some of us to, to slow down. There's been a lot of hurt, a lot of bad things um, that have gone on. But for some of us, we've been able to, to slow down a little bit. So I was able to, to catch your service before I caught mine um, last Sunday. Um, and it was interesting because it, in the pandemic, um, we've, we've kind of realized that there's, there's some freedoms that we may have been taking for granted, right? And he's been in a series on freedom, on loving the way God wants us to love. And we've, we've seen some crazy things. We've seen that um, maybe people of color in our country can't operate with the same freedoms as others. Like some of us have started to, to maybe say, maybe this stuff is going on. Maybe I haven't seen it. We've seen our capital under siege, things that we've never thought we've seen in our lifetime, right? Kind of makes us start wondering. And when Gordon ended the message last week, he said, now go and be the church. And I was like, that's great. Because in a pandemic, we can't do church as usual, right? We were, a lot of us weren't even in our buildings for, for months and months. Some churches aren't back. So it reminded us that the church is in the building and, it's, and that the church, we have a lot of work to do. We can look at the things going on in our nation, um, in our communities, and say, wow, I, I have a lot to do. I need to be responsible for what God has called each, each of us to do um, in our communities. And that's, that's us as a church. So this week I want to continue um, in that series, um, the title... Um, it's me, not you. So, and I want to talk about how freedom to make we free, we have freedom to make sacrifices um, in order to love each other well, especially in the midst of conflict. So, I want to start with Matthew chapter twenty-two. Um, you all have been in that in that book for the uh, I think for the duration of the series. So, we're going to start there with Matthew chapter twenty-two. So, verse thirty-six. If you want to go there. All right, I'm going to read 36 through 40. All right, it says, verse 36. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Now, my, my wife and I, um, we started doing something, and my, my family isn't here, but my brother is here with his nephew. Um, we have three kids, and we started doing something. Um, there's a, we got them a little debit card. Now, growing up, we had chores, um, and so my kids have chores, and we're like, well, let's add a little incentive we're going to put money on this car for them so they're able to check off their chores in the app 
And then once they do all their chores, they get their allowance. Now, it's interesting because I have three kids, and they're, they're 11, 13, and 15. Now, guess which one does the best with doing this? It's the youngest one. It's the youngest one. Now, who knows why you will, um, my youngest, does the best, but I'll look through, and I can see she checked off things, and um, where the older two, they seem to they have a little more difficulty checking it off. And maybe it's because they've been doing it the old way for so long, or maybe the young one is a little more excited about, about having her own little card that she can spend money on. And my son, he started saying, I'll give him a chore to do, and it won't be on his list. And he'll be like, he started saying recently, he was like, will I get paid for that? And I'm like, <laughs> like I don't knock the hustle. Like, I, I, I understand the grind and wanting to, like, we do want to teach him responsibility and working for money. Um, but there's also there's certain things that you do as part of a household, as a child, um, or even as, even as an adult, um, that you don't get paid for, right? We don't, we don't want, um, I don't want my son to be like, well, everything I do for, at the house, I'm getting paid for. Um, and the same thing when it comes to Christ, to God and his love, um, we don't want the only reason that we love God to be out of obligation. We don't, want, we don't want it to just be because, well, God loved me, I have to love him. That's not, that's not what we want. So my son, he's, kinda, he's painting a picture. Which, so I think it's important that the series that you've been in and the importance of loving God and loving our neighbor, listening to those commands and doing them is important, but, but we, want, we don't want to just do it because we're commanded, right? My, my son, he doesn't, he doesn't like <laughs> doing the, the chores just because I told him, but that's how it was when we were growing up. If mom or dad said, do it, it's not, did I get paid or do I get paid? It's like, no, let me go do this, this thing. So, so we don't want our kids to, to be crippled, but it also illustrates what God is saying, and, and I think it's important to wh- why we love is kind of where we need to start. So I want to go to John chapter 15. I'm going to read a few verses, John chapter 15, and I'm going to read verses 9 through 14. All right, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation, so it may be a little different. All right, John 15, verses 9 through 14. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, when I was growing up, there was, there was a song um, that my mom played, an old gospel song. Anybody know Shirley Caesar? Maybe, maybe not. So this is old gospel. Um, the, uh, and there was a song, um, and my brother, I'm sure my brother remembers it because we were kids, and the song was called No Charge. At the beginning of the song, there's a kid, and he, he brings up a list to his mom, and this list of all the chores he's done. He's like, I've cut the grass, one dollar. I, I took out the trash, two dollars. And he, at the end of the list, and he's like, here's what you owe me, mom. It's like 14 bucks. And, uh, and the mom, and in the, 
in the rest of the song is kind of like from the standpoint of the mom, and she's, she's, Shirley Caesar sings all the things that parents do for their kids that are no charge. So giving birth to you, raising you, putting you through college, all these things, she goes, you know, just sings her heart out, and at the end, it's no charge. Now, that's a great picture, and you don't understand it when you're young. My, my son doesn't understand it, but when we get to a certain point where we're like, wow, the love of Christ that God has given me, there's no charge for what he gave. You know what I'm saying? He, he paid, he laid his life down, he paid it all, but there's no charge for all of it. There's no charge. God, God says there's no charge, but our response um, should be to love him, to love others. So eventually as kids, you get to an age where it's like, well, I'm not going to just do this because I'm supposed to. I'm going to help my mom. You know what I'm saying? My mom is, is older now. I'm going to just do these things because I love my mom. I'm grateful um, for what she's done. I'm grateful for the things I don't even know. So my son, he doesn't understand. He's 13 now, so he may not understand. Um, my 11-year-old, even though she does her chores well, she may not understand that, okay, it's not just this. Eventually, I'm going to just do this stuff out of just the love and gratefulness I have for the Lord and what he paid. The, uh, now, it's difficult. It isn't difficult to love someone that has done so much for us, right? Our parents that have given a whole lot. Um, it's not that difficult to love in that case, but sometimes it's a sacrifice. Um, sometimes it's a sacrifice when it comes to loving our neighbor. Uh, yesterday, um, it was funny, there was an altercation in the street and I live, I live in North Hill, so I love the neighborhood, similar to the neighborhood I grew up in, um, because it's, it's diverse. Um, so um, we have people, um, the neighborhood I grew up in wasn't that diverse, but as far as kind of working class um, individuals, um, it's similar makeup. So there's black folks, Mexican, Burmese, Nepali, um, some Congolese, so it's, it's, a, it's a pretty cool neighborhood. And, and so I'd come down, and well, actually, my kids had called me, and they said something's going on, and, and my wife's peeking out the window, and I'm like, well, are you going out there? And she was like, no. And I was like, well, why are you looking out the window if you're... So I decided I'm, like, I'm going to go out there, and it was, it was a white family, and they were in the middle of the street arguing with a black family, and I'm like, well, I'm just going to go over here. And, and I just was like, everybody all right? And tried to play peacemaker, and believe it or not, I mean, it was, it was an argument over a garbage can. So somebody had accidentally taken other, they went in their yard and took the garbage can because theirs was missing, and, and then they wrote a sign, a mean sign, I'm like, and then somebody called the cops, I was like, is it really, is it really worth all that? And, and but it takes, it takes a little bit of sacrifice, right? Most of us, uh, my wife was comfortable peeking out the window, but I decided, well, I mean, I'm, I could see, you know what I'm saying, I, I could sell their, it wasn't a safety issue, so I was like, I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to step outside of <clears throat> what most of us would do, and I inserted myself, and I decided to sacrifice, I decided to, to say, who cares um, about what it looks like, or what, what they're going to think about me, I'm going to go out here, try to be a peacemaker um, in the midst of this. So sometimes sacrifice, it may be a little difficult. Sometimes Sometimes loving is, is actually a sacrifice. Um, it's not just the reciprocation of love that when somebody shows us love. The, uh, James chapter 4, um, 
read that real quick. James chapter 4, verse 1 through 3 says, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Now, it's interesting reading this. The, the word that st- sticks out to me when we're talking about conflict is, is jealousy. Now, it's saying that the reason we have conflict is because we are jealous. We're jealous of stuff. And um, I don't know if the garbage can, if they, if, you know what I'm saying? I don't know what, what was going on there. But I don't think she was jealous of the garbage can. But this is one of the reasons that conflict arises. And, and I think in the word of jealous, I'm like, well, we're jealous about stuff. God, and I think of the song, he lo- How He Loves, and in Exodus 34, 14, where it says, you must worship no other gods for the Lord whose very name is jealous. He is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. God is jealous for us. He's jealous for souls. We're jealous for stuff. Now, obvious picture of what love is versus what hate is. We can see that, wow, God is pursuing us. He's pursuing souls we're, we're pursuing stuff. That's a lot of times what, this, what the conflicts are over. Whether it's material things, whether it's whether I'm right or wrong, right, you're wrong. Um, what if we pursued souls? What if we were that jealous like God was? You know what I'm saying? If I see this altercation going on, it's like I care about the well-being of, of all those people in that, in that little altercation, right? I'm, I'm, I'm jealous for the soul. I want to see... I want to see reconciliation. I want to see these people saved. So I'm going to operate in a way that says, okay, love requires me to sacrifice. I had a neighbor um, named, uh, named Quan. He moved years ago, but Quan, um, it was funny. Late in this crazy, this is how I met him. So I, I think I had introduced him when he moved in. Um, and I've lived in my neighborhood for 17 years, so I've seen a lot of people come and go. And uh, he, uh, so late one night, I'm up in my attic. I'm working I don't know what I was preparing after midnight, and I hear somebody yelling and cussing, um, top, of their, top of their lungs, and, and it's late. So, so I just keep working, and the next day, we're both out there cutting the grass. I'm cutting my grass. He's cutting his grass. And, uh, and I decided, I was like, hey, I'm going to step out. I was like, hey, is, is everything all right? Is everything all right? And then with, uh, I heard you guys uh, last night, and he's like, yeah, everything's all right. And then we go back to cutting our grass. And then a few minutes later, he's like, um, hey, brother, come over here. And I'm, and I'm like, is this about to be an altercation? You know what I'm saying? It's like, um, I was trying to help. I stepped out there. And, and then he, what does Quan do? He, uh, he just starts opening up about what's going on. He, he starts saying, telling me he has, he's been having trouble in his marriage. Um, and he feels like his wife has been unfaithful. Um, and... And I just listened to him. So I thought it might lead to, you know what I'm saying, some fisticuffs or something, but it ended up having him open up. So the conflict that was there was, was dissolved when I said, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going I'm to open, open this. I had to sacrifice 
what I was doing and wanting to just be safe. And I listened to Quan. And now, years later, that marriage is still together. And he's, he's thanked me um, a couple times. It's like, dude, everybody else told me I should leave. But I was the one that said, well, what does God say? What does God say is your responsibility as a husband, as a father? Regardless of what your wife is doing, are we willing to, to make that, that sacrifice, to open our mouths um, when it's, it's a lot easier just to let, let somebody else do what, what they're going to do? So, so it's, it's a blessing when I hear about Quan still married and, and other children that they've had um, after that point. So I want to go a little deeper. What does it look like to love your neighbor well in conflict? What does it look like? What does it look like to have that type of jealous love that God has for us, for other people, what, to have that compassion? Um, and we read Matthew, we read in Matthew, and I want to go, go now to Luke um, chapter 10, where it's the same, similar uh, Jesus is talking about a similar thing in Luke chapter 10. And this is actually a a parable most of us are familiar with, a lot of us are familiar with in Luke chapter 10. So let's turn there. We're going to read uh, starting in verse 25. All right. And it says, verse 25, One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, Do this, and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him, lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. I just want to stop right there. Now, we've, we've heard, a lot of us have heard this, uh, this parable before of the Good Samaritan. Um, so we see, we see three individuals. Um, the first one who, who passed him by, um, he, was, he could be seen as, as an enemy, um, so it's, it wasn't that shocking. The second person should have, would have been like a friend, somebody that should have been a friend to him. Um, somebody maybe in, in the church that, that you're looking to, to be the type to help, help out. My, when I was talking to my neighbors yesterday, they were like, oh, you're the, you're the minister. 
um, we thought you lived over there. I was like, no, I live right here. So because, I, because of what I said, um, what we were talking about, they, they picked that up. So, so that would have been that type of person. That it's like we realize as the church we should help, but this person didn't help. That was the second person. Now the third person who was actually, um, a, it was, he was a Jew. So the person that was hurt was a Jew, right? And this person is a Samaritan. Now that Jews despised Samaritans. And we're not talking about the, I, I picture a Browns fan and a Steelers fan. And that's, there's some, there, and I'm, I'm a Bengals fan, so I, I hate the Steelers too um, with, a, with a passion. But I'm not talking about that type of despising because I, I have seen some people in the same families, Browns and Steelers, and they're married. And it's like, I don't know how you do it, but, but I've seen that. So it's, it, it, it's not like that. It's a lot deeper um, despising and we're talking about the Jews that the Jews had for the Samaritans, and, and it's I think a lot of it's because when when the kingdom was divided, um, the northern and southern, the uh, in the north the the Samaritans were they were they were taken into captivity, and then they they started intermarrying, and they took a, they started worshiping idols. Um, so therefore, the Jews who were a little more pure in their eyes. Um, the Judeans, they, they decided, well, we're, we're, you're, not, you're not any good anymore. You, you've intermarried. You've done all these things against God. So they looked down on them because they had not followed the law. They had, they had intermarried. They had worshipped idols. So this is the type of despising. This is probably a little bit more like when Democrats are despising Trump supporters and they're saying, well, if, you're, if you support Trump, then you're a racist. So it's, it's a little deeper. It's probably like the Black Lives Matter um, protesters versus the white supremacists. Um, it's probably a little bit more like that. People who are, are willing to harm someone. I don't think, a, well, in most cases, Steelers and Browns fans are not going to harm each other, right? Um, but we're talking about people that, that are willing to kill um, because you think differently or believe differently. That is, the, that is the type of despising that the Jews had for Samaritans. But we see that the Samaritan didn't care. He had sacrificial, what I say is sacrificial love. The Samaritan put aside everything that was thought about him for years and that people and said, I'm going to go over here. I'm going I'm to show love to this person that's hurting. And it's not only that. He put aside those differences, but he went above and beyond. And if you look at, when we're reading that, the, the level of care that he did. He, he only gave him a pat on the back, said, are you okay? Um, but he took him in, took him to an inn, bandaged, bandaged him, took him in. And then he also made sure he was good for the night, and then he gave, gave some money so that, so that he could still be taken care of after that night. Now that, that shows that, that there was some sacrifice involved. He, he went above and beyond because it's, it's one thing, we've all probably done it before, when you say, I'll pray for you, right? You'd be like, oh, I'll pray for you. And you might, you might do it, you might forget, but it's another thing to stop in the grocery store and actually literally pray for someone as you're standing there. I used to do that with a, a Sam's Club worker. Every time I was there, she'd tell me her story, and I'd be like, okay, we're going to pray right here in the store. And I'm gonna, I don't care, I, I have my eyes closed, and I might look stupid. She's a worker, so she has to keep her eyes open. Um, but I'm, and I was, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just do this. Are we willing to to sacrifice 
like this Samaritan and, and throw out all of our precon- preconceived thoughts about people in order to love them. And recently I was watching um, a movie on Netflix um, and, it, and I think it illustrates the type of sacrificial love that, that God is calling us to have. Um, to, and the movie was uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Now, I don't know if anybody's seen that, but a couple people may have. So I, I encourage you to go watch it. Um, but it's basically about an a undercover, CIA, I think it's CIA or FBI agent who, um, he's not even an agent, but it's about Fred Hampton, who's a Black Panther leader. Um, we've, most of us have heard of the Black Panthers um, back in the day. Um, so it's about Fred Hampton and then somebody that infiltrates as a spy to um, leak secrets to the government so they can um, set him up and, and basically take him out. Now, what, what kind of surprised me about this was um, because we have, a lot of us have a negative image of what the Black Panthers stood for, depending on if you were there or not. But one of the things Fred Hampton spearheaded was the Rainbow Coalition where he brought together um, Latinos, so the young lords, and he brought together um, young southern white working class people, and that was an organization called the Young Patriots. So in the movie, we see these three groups come together so that together they can help their community. Together they can fight against some of the the, um, unfair policing that was going on and the unfair government treatment um, that was going on. And then when I looked a little further, I was like, Fred Hampton, wow, he, he actually was, his mom babysat Emmett Till. I don't know if anybody knows who Emmett Till was, but Emmett Till was a 14-year-old that was killed. He was from Chicago, where Fred Hampton was, but he was visiting Mississippi, and he was killed because somebody said that he had flirted with a white girl. Now, we're talking about in the 1950s. Um, so this, this 14-year-old was beaten simply because somebody said that he flirted with a white girl. So Fred Hampton's mom actually babysat Emmett Till. And then 10 years later, after that, Fred Hampton also witnessed white mobs attacking Dr. Martin Luther King and the Chicago Crusade. So there's a, a lot of links here in the Chicago Crusade, um, and we, we, know, we know that uh, Martin Luther King, Dr. Martin Luther King, was about nonviolence. And, and he said, what are we doing for others? Now, Martin Luther King and that Chicago Crusade, he didn't, it was, they were trying to get fair housing for, for everyone um, because there were slums, and then you had nice white neighborhoods, um, and then uh, people of color that were in the slums. So Martin Luther King said, well, look, I'm, gonna, I'm not only going to go here and be a part of these marches and lead these marches, he actually moved his family into those slums for a while, and it got a lot of attention. I think that's a little bit of the sacrificial type of love, not just saying we love people, but he was, he was not, not only fighting against um, the unfair housing, but he was like, I'm going to live here to show you what type of situation these people are, are going through. Now, Recently, I had a, uh, a friend here in, uh, in Akron, um, and it was after the George Floyd uh, murder, and there was a lot of bad media going on, a lot of bad media attention, um, and, and it, might, it was in the paper, um, and I felt bad because uh, uh, a person I know, he was a white guy, he, uh, and there was a black guy sitting across 
sitting across at the bus stop and across from his shop. And my friend, the white guy, decides he was going to roll over to the black guy who he felt had been sitting at the bus stop too long. And, and, he, uh, and he basically he was, he asked him, what are you doing here? And he not only asked him, what are you doing here? He, he, went, he came back a second time and he had a, a shotgun on his lap in the car. And he asked, what are you doing? He was, he was I'm waiting on the bus. I'm waiting on the bus. This young black guy was simply sitting there waiting on the bus. But because, and my friend, who actually be a, was a white gentleman, he felt threatened just because of what the media had been putting in our minds. Because this was this is when the protests were going on. People were, were trying to explain that black lives are not mattering, that police are killing black people for nothing. So he, in his mind, he felt, my friend felt like he was protecting his community. He just didn't want to see somebody rob somebody. It's like he's waiting on the bus. So what did I do? Now, this is stupid, probably, but, but I, I saw it posted on social media. I was like, I know this guy. Um, and I saw they were just, just running him. I was like, well, believe it or not, he's not a racist. I was like, I, was like, I think it is possible that he did, a ra- he did something that was racist, but I didn't, I, because I knew him, that in his heart he wasn't a racist. So I decided, I decided to jump in there. I made a post, and, and then people jumped on me. I was like, I'm not defending his actions, but I want you to know. Do you, I want you to know his, he may have had a different intent. Do you want to talk to this guy? And, and it, it didn't go too well. But what came from that was uh, my friend asking if I could um, go with him to a, just a kind of a mediation and talk, talk with him and the, order, and the people that were organizing the protest. That didn't happen because his wife got sick. But over that time, I've been able to just to reach out to him and, um, and just uh, pray with him. Because after that, after that happened, his, everything kind of went, went bad for him. And he felt bad just because he made a simple mistake. I mean, it, it could have cost somebody their life. But he made a bad decision based on what we've been seeing in our country. And it's important that we see that we have to take sacrifices like that. We have to make, if, we're, if, we love, if I'm saying I love my friend who did this racist thing, then I'm going to, I'm still going to call him up, see how he's doing. Months and months later, all he wants to do is say he's sorry. All he, he, he might know that the Lord has forgiven him, but, but he's at a low point. Are we, are we able to love like that where, where I'm going to sacrifice what I believe, what I think? I'm going to be that living sacrifice that, that the Bible tells me to be in Romans. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to stop just because I may not understand what his background is or what this person's background is. I may not understand how somebody can support President Trump and not be a racist. Am I still going to have a conversation with him? I may not understand the systematic discrimination that the black community has faced and that there's still a lasting impact and there's trauma that, that goes with that because it was maybe hundreds of years ago. You may not understand that, but are you willing to stop and listen um, for a second to show somebody, okay, I love, I love you, so I'm going to listen to you. I don't understand it, but if I'm going to listen to you, I'm going to pr- throw out all this preconceived stuff, all these implicit biases we have about each other. That's sacrificial love. And 
in the Old Testament when people were sacrificing, they were killing animals because they had sinned and they had to put, this, they had to put these things on the altar to get forgiveness. And for us, we don't have to do that anymore. Jesus paid it all. He, there's no charge, like he said, but something in us has to die. These implicit biases we have, it has to die. We have to put them, put them on the altar. And then at the end of what we read um, in Luke chapter 10, I'm going to read the last verse to close in, it, in uh, 36 and 37, Luke chapter 10. says, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. That's our charge. He, God is telling us. Jesus is telling us, now go and do the same. I said no charge. I paid it. We see what the Samaritan did. Now God is saying that we have to we have to give that same type of love that he gave us. Um, and not because of obligation, but because we're grateful for what he's given. We're Just like we're grateful to our parents for what they've given. When we get a little older, we, we realize it. So that type of sacrificial love is easy if we love God more than ourselves. That's the only time it's easy. It's, it's hard. Some, you know, if they don't, it's, it's easy to love in certain situations, but it is a sacrifice. But it becomes easy when we, we love God more than ourselves. We must love nothing besides him ex- except what we love for him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for this series. Lord, you've been showing us what it means to be free, truly free, to follow you, to love you, to love our neighbor, Lord. Lord, right now we thank you for the illustration in the Bible of the Good Samaritan. Uh, we thank you for uh, the, the sacrifice you made for us. And Lord, we're praying that we would respond by showing that same sacrificial love, that we would step, step out of our comfort zones, Lord, and, and listen to people, to throw away our biases for a minute, to listen, to build relationships, God. Lord, we we pray right now that, that you would give us the heart of compassion that you have, Lord, that we've seen in people like Dr. Martin Luther King and Fred Hampton, Lord, that, that brought people together. That's what we want to do, Lord. We want to love people to bring healing, to build bridges, Lord. So, Lord, right now we pray that you would put that on our hearts, that we would not leave here the same, that we would have sacrificial love even when our nation is in conflict, Lord. You. You're calling us to be the church, Lord. So right now, let us respond to your word by being the church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, stay up here with me. Stay here. Let's thank Corinne for being here today with us. Woo, man, that was good. I'm telling you what, man, when you hear the word of God, mm-hmm, it's supposed to do a thing. And for me... Man, I'm growing and I'm learning. I appreciate that. So let's process this just for a quick moment, right? Next steps. What is God telling you? What is God telling you? Not what is um, grandma telling you from the kitchen sink that she just thinks she thought and she said always, like, I just always heard growing up, right? No, what is God? What is the spirit of the living God telling you in this moment? I think we need to be sensitive to that now. 
What are you going to do about it? I think it's awesome for us to be able to take something, process it, and say, God, and you know what? I think it's okay for us to wrestle with it. Wrestle with it and see what's going on inside and allow the Spirit of God to bring out the truth inside of us all, right? Psalms, search me, O God. That's a powerful prayer right there. Search me, O God. Search me, O God. Remove anything that isn't good. So as we head out here today, uh, I just want to honor you. Thank you so much, Coran, for sharing your heart, for sharing God's word. Man, what a beautiful, uh, uh, what, what a powerful message. Gosh, my head is swirling a little bit here. I don't know, is anybody else feeling a little bit of that? Just kind of going, whoa. So let's stand together, receive the blessing of the Lord as we head out here today. Now may the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now go and be the church.